I won't let my moderate to severe plaque psoriasis symptoms define me. Emerge as you. In two clinical studies, Trimphia guselkumab, taken by injection, provided 90% clearer skin at 16 weeks in 7 out of 10 adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. In a study, nearly 7 out of 10 patients with 90% clearer skin at 16 weeks were still clearer at 5 years. At one year and thereafter, patients and healthcare providers knew that Tremphia was being used. This may have increased results. Results may vary. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Tremphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of infection, including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information at Tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. And maybe they're just like my my clubs on the on the field, right? Like little Hoosiers. Oh, it's like Hoosiers. Yeah, That's yeah, my team. My team's, my team's, my on, team's the field. on the court. You've seen that f- movie? I've, I've heard about that part. Oh my gosh! Look at him. He's bringing <laughs> up. He's never even seen it. He's bringing up things he's heard about. Oh yeah, baby. That's right. You're not going to find Siskel and Ebert here on this one. That's for sure because it's always thumbs down with Amin Fareed because he's seen two movies in the history of his life. One of them was Godfather, and he was like, "Yeah, it's just okay." And it's like, "Okay, sorry, you're not allowed to talk about movies anymore." <laughs> uh, but we are here on a Wednesday. I'm in a fog. Uh, I, it's like yeah. it's like I'm really starting to question our person who was like, "Are you sure you're gonna make it?" Right? I have everybody saying that to me yeah. right now, where they're like. You, you sure this is sustainable? And today yeah. was the first day I woke up and I was like, I'm not sure it's sustainable. We but. know the answer. It's no. <laughs> it's not sustainable. I'm like uh, literally like I, one of those nights last night where I was we were texting towards the end of the night, right? A few a little things. And, you know, you were telling me good job with the notes, which yeah. I appreciate and all that. But I was uh, sitting there and it was kind of watching the Lakers dynasty move show, oh. which is really good. I don't know if you watch shows. Sometimes. Sometimes yeah. he watches shows. <laughs> Sometimes he watches TV. <laughs> it's actually really good, though. Okay. Yeah. Second season. It's going to be the last season, actually. Yeah. Is it true, though? Because I've heard some reports like, well, it's, it's true. It's, it, you know, it's, it's not true in all the bad parts that these guys don't like being told about them. That's, That's yeah. the thing they're fighting against. Yeah. It's amazing. It really is. Uh, but but like went to bed at like nine forty five, nine fifty wow. last night. Woke up at like nine o'clock this morning. Oh my gosh. Right. And you know, it's like one of those when your body gets like sleep and catches up, it's like, oh, sleep more. Yeah. So like Monday and Tuesday is like an exhausted tire fog. And then today is like I caught up and my body wants to still sleep type of fog. Do you know that do you know yeah. that feeling a little? Yeah. Right. So like I feel like I haven't woken up today and I'm trying to shove coffee down my, my throat here to wake it up. You know, I've got some drinks that could work for you oh, over hey, here. Oh, this guy's Welcome got some drinks. Welcome to the team. <laughs> Crack in a bottle. Energy drink. All right. Well let's let's wake up as we go. We'll let's wake up it. with some uh with whoa, whoa. Morgan's over here. Look at this. What up, Morgan? So People there that uh, that watched I am on robot. Peacock. They're saying I look like a robot because I have wires sticking out. We had to screw in one of the screws a little bit tighter. 
to yeah. uh, Chris's neck. <laughs> Thanks, Morgan. All right, so it is Treasure Hunters Wednesday. What the F happened Wednesday? Chris, despite all of his, uh, his tiredness, he went back into the film, looked through some games, tried to figure out exactly what happened with some of these Cowboys. How did they let that happen? Jaguars, are they really screwed? Are they, is that team from last year not coming back? Ravens, Colts, you looked at. The Dolphins, how in the world did they do that to the Broncos? And we also have Chargers, Vikings a little bit, and Bills, Commanders. we got a lot to do. we got the Big Butt Awards as well, the cherry on top. Let's get right into it. Let's do As it. Chris pours his coffee. You know Another it. swig of it. Yeah. Well, let's start with the Cowboys, because I think that was, <laughs> outside of 70 points being scored in a game, the Cowboys was the biggest upset that we saw. Yeah. Um, so you looked at the, the Cowboys' D and the Cardinals' offense, and I think, you know, and I've read your notes here, the cursive handwriting, too. You gave some, some props to the Cardinals' offense and, and what they did. Yeah, the coaching the game. staff, right. Because I was thinking maybe this is all just like, wow, the Cowboys really screwed this uh, up. But like we're asleep at the wheel or something ex- like that, Exactly, right? but I guess that wasn't totally the case. No, it definitely was not the case. What we've seen in three weeks in a row from Arizona is the, the game plans are, are pretty damn good, right, on both sides of the ball. I mean, Jonathan Gannon and what they got going on that side of the ball as far as defense, you know, Nick Rallis, the defensive coordinator there, I, I like what they do offensively. Listen, there's still more you want from the quarterback and Dobbs, but there's two things that you know he's done a pretty good job of. He takes care of the football. He does. He keeps them out of bad situations for the most part, and you know can run a little bit. That helps out. Design run or scramble. All right, and then for the most part, he's being efficient in the pass game. Are there a few plays that I go, ooh, man, if they had another quarterback there that he could throw that in there, that's a big play? Sure. So, But nonetheless, he's doing a good job. But a little bit like we're going to talk about a little in the Miami Dolphins game here in a minute is, you know, Drew Petzing, what he does on the offensive side of the ball, yeah, yeah, they kind of brought the fight to the Cowboys, to like what you're saying, and, and, and it wasn't just, you know, the Cowboys asleep at the wheel, but they – they truly schematically gave them issues with some of the formations and things they did and the movement and motion that we talk about so much right now that you see any really good offense in football, you know, we saw a graphic yesterday and we'll hit on that I think later, of how the good offenses move people. That that's they they create advantage. They create miscommunication on the other side of the ball, right? They create defenses going, whoa, wait, we didn't study for that shift and now they're in another formation and have done something and we haven't gone over how we're supposed to adjust to that yet. Can we go over to the sideline and talk to the coach, right? So they without me getting too in the weeds, caused some problems with these formations and motions to where some of these run plays we saw, right, and and you know whether it was O'Connor, uh, I mean, or James Connor, or um, or, or Dobbs, I, I would sit back and go, oh wow, okay, that was a good run, right? And then you know me, I'm sitting there watching the film and I'm going, wait, I mean, they really got them here, like they don't have enough people for the gaps, like they've they've exposed them with the motion and then the how the Cowboys were shifting. They didn't on some of these runs. There's no way they could have stopped it. It was going to take somebody to do something miraculous, but like mm-hmm. schematically X's and O's on a chalkboard type of thing, you'd go, no, there's nobody here for this gap. Or, no, you've shifted the linebacker so far over that now the center and the guard can block one guy, and then the other guy can go up and cut the linebacker off from getting to the weak side run, right? So that was really kind of the overall theme of the football game more than anything and why yeah. we saw this really good Dallas Cowboy defense um, get gashed, especially in the run game. 
The yeah. pass game was just about being efficient, and and you know they did smart things there. But the run game is really where you know they they made their bread and butter. Yeah, early on you had Dobbs with that forty-four yard run. It was just a read option off of Micah Parsons, Micah, which is what we saw the yes, Eagles right. do to them last year. Exactly, and some other teams right. do to them last year. They it's, knew how to block all that movement up front, right? They had a beat on. Wait, if we line up like this, they'll slant this way, right? So they were very well coached. Okay, and kind of having a feel for like what they do at certain formations and how they slant and you know slant and stunt. Right? We talk about the Cowboys all the time. This is our first game too. You come back and you go. The Cowboys still have a size issue up front. They do. Mozzie Smith does not pop at all. Jonathan Hankins has not popped at all, and he was dominated. So they got some of their big people there got to be better, or they got to get more big people, but that's certainly going to be something they're going to be worried about as we go in here. And then their linebackers were very undisciplined on top of that. You noted something on the edge. Yeah. No edge setters. No edge setters. No edge setters. And Explain what that is. Well, like – more on just about every defensive scheme in football, there's a guy that's like, wait, you're nobody can go outside of you. You have to make sure you force it back inside, right? And what they did, and this is again, this is a Shanahan ish, of course, Mike McDaniel ish, and we're going to get into that too, to where they, with these formations and some of these shifts and motions, changed the burden on who was going to be the edge guy, mm. right? And Or the edge guy who thinks, wait, I got the edge. Now you got a guy outside of you. Like, they shifted. You, you got, like, the coach has got to tell you to move out so you can still be the edge guy, right? You know, th- there was too much of that. I mean, blocked by tight splits, got, you know, the tight end, two tight ends, and okay, now I'm on the edge, but the two tight ends come over, and now they can just block me down, and I'm supposed to set the edge. And now who's there to do the edge? The corner. corner. Right. And every offense is trying to make the corner the main guy that has to tackle somebody in the run game. So that was really where they dropped the ball, let alone, you know, like I said, Vander Esch, uh, not very good in the middle. Clark, 33, way too over-aggressive and still young and, you know, green between the ears there a little bit or, you know, as far as in his ways. And th- those were, you know, some of the things that really, really hurt them, let alone some splash plays here and there in the pass game that, that helped them, uh, especially that last one with Michael Wilson from Stanford, a guy we talked about in the draft coming oh, out. Oh, yeah, that, that play, too. That yeah. seemed like a blown coverage on that long 70-yard pass play. I don't know exactly what happened on that play, but... Someone didn't have the right yeah, um, communication. Gosh, damn, what, what the hell happened on so that it was play? Like, yeah. I, it was almost yeah. like, I, I looked at it yeah, here, yeah. too. It was like, I don't know if Stephon Gilmore thought it was man-to-man or something like that. And I, I don't know where it was man-to-man and Malik Hooker yeah, didn't cover him. I'm, I'm blanking, oh, no. I'm blanking I've, out I've on taken that play. You, I've taken you down a rabbit you're, hole you're, right I, now. I, I, no, well, I can't, for some reason, I can't remember the specifics of why or how that went down there. And I'm, I'm going to pull it up as we sit here just because I'm going, wait. What the heck did happen there? What am I missing here? So I'm going to get to it. I'm it was kind of like a ceiling play. You know, it was like one of those plays where you're like, all right, maybe it's a five-point game. I think it was a five-point game it at was. that, that it, point. It definitely was. It was, uh, it, was, it was third quarter, right? I think I believe I want to say that play kind of happened at somewhere in that. It was late. It might have been the fourth quarter. Was even. it the fourth quarter? Yeah. I don't know. All right. Either Look, way. This is what we've done. Yeah. Quarter, quarter four, four, Pete four. says. Right. 928. Oh, so it was kind of like a seal the deal. It was. It was thing. it was the wait, here they come Dallas, they're going to make this a game. Mm-hmm. And of course that didn't happen. So, 
Here we go. I got it now. Here we go. I'm, I'm sorry, everybody. Navigated through a whole game film. Boom. Here we go. In a matter of 38 seconds. Well, so here it is. And and it is, it's tough. It looks like it's a zone coverage, okay? And Gilmore doesn't come off of his guy he and it was pass man it off. And yes. he's playing man. Exactly right. right. So good job by you there. Yeah, that's got to be passed off. But they got them messed up all together. Again, with the formation and motion here. Mm. Like, they're in a tough spot to where it's like somebody was going to be open. There was no way they were going to cover it, and that goes back to the point we've kind of talked about here with some of these shifts and motions. It really messed up the Cowboys, and how do they want to adjust and, and be sound on that side of the ball? Why wouldn't more teams do that? They, they just can't coach it. They're not confident in getting the guys in the right. I mean, it just seems like such a, a wasted uh, thing yeah, if you don't another, shift and yeah. move guys pre-snap. I, I, you know, I think a lot of it is it is hard. It adds verbiage, mm-hmm. right? It's it's more in the free agency era of like, wait, these guys are, you know, they just got here. We don't have time to do that. And then I think a lot of them, like, there's some teams that do it. A lot of them don't know why they do it either. Mm-hmm. They don't really understand it. They're not really grasping it. They're going, oh, well, that, that's cool shift in formation. You'll see somebody steal it the next week and it's going, yeah, but they had a reason for it. Like, they noticed on film that they did this when they did these shifts in motions and it caused these problems. And, yeah, so few, like our point we talk about, really understand defensive rules like some of these good offensive coordinators do to where they can, you know, take advantage of it and stress it that way. All right, so bottom line with the Cowboys' defense yeah. was this is uh, something that was now exposed. I mean, I, we've, we've said this for a while, and you've said this for yeah. a while. Like, they're fast. They're a fast defense. They're not big. You were underwhelmed by their defensive tackles against the, the run, as you mentioned. Definitely right. And so then, you this, know, is a way, this is a way to beat the Cowboys' defense. It, it definitely is. Well, it's definitely something they're going to get tested with now. People are going to do this. And, I mean, of course, they're, they're, they want to run the football. Uh, on the Cowboys anyways, but yeah, the, the now the let's test how they line up, if they can figure out what they're doing and adjust properly to some of these shifts and formations, they're going to be tested on that. And that's where, they're, that's where a Monday walkthrough, you go over the things you messed up to go, wait, hey guys, we got to fix this right now because the teams are going to do this until we show we, we did fix it. Other side of the ball, yeah, you were impressed with the Cardinals' defense against the Cowboys' offense. Some guys like Gardeck, the linebacker, Barnes, the linebacker, popped again for you. Definitely. White, the linebacker. I mean, they're, they're, they're you know, Gardeck is a really good player. Zayvon Collins does a really good job on the edge, too. He's made for outside linebacker. You know, unlike the Cowboys guys, right, you know, th- to me – um, lack of aggressive or physicality by the Cowboys linebackers shows up, especially when you compare to you watch the Cardinals linebackers and you go, damn, look at them. I mean, they're shooting holes and just, no, you know my phrase, no hesitation at all, mm-hmm. and they just bring it. And you know, they, they made a difference in the football game. They did. And, and of course, you know, early on in the football game, the Cowboys couldn't quite figure out any rhythm and no run game at all to kind of get going. And a lot of that was because of those middle linebackers. Yeah. And, of course, they got a pretty good secondary behind that, too. And they're well coached. They played five-man fronts at first. They said, wait, we're, you're going to you're gonna have to throw the ball a little to beat us here. And then they got some good zone coverages that they play behind it that they were over, you know, all over some of the Cowboys stuff. And then the Cowboys stuff lacks – Imagination, so as you saw. That's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. So you were right. you, that's was one of your biggest complaints about mm-hmm. Kellen Moore when he was the offensive coordinator is that they just didn't do enough with the amount of talent that they had. Yes. Brian Schottenheimer is there now. You're seeing the same thing. But like it's it's yes. What what I don't like is the opposite of what we just talked about with Arizona. 
you know, if you and me sat here and watched plays together, we'd go, you'd go, man, the first 30 plays, they just line up in the formation and say, set hut. And in, and of course, too, it's, it's basic formations. And yeah, Schottenheimer's a part of it. It's McCarthy, too. That's He's what the I was one calling say, the play. He's the right? one that kind of sets the agenda. He sets the agenda. And, you know, he comes from a school of thought of like he doesn't like the motion and shift, but that to me is outdated. And you're dropping the ball if you don't do some of that. So, yeah, that's what hurts. And it comes back to the same thing of like, you know, the Cowboys we know got talented and are talented and all that. But. You know, that's where just saying, hey, we're going to line up and beat you because we're more talented. Like, that, that's just too hard to do in the NFL. And then especially when you got a guy in Jonathan Cannon who came from your division, has a little bit feel for the offense in general anyways, right? The offense isn't drastically different from what it was last year. And so he had a beat on it and understood some of their tendencies and what they did. And that, that of course, made it, you know, tough on them. But, yeah, they have some – they played a little man-to-man and then had combination zone coverages that you talked about. You know, what you hear me talk about. My quarter's on this side, but it's cover two over here. And all fitting within, like, how they must have broke them down and feeling like, hey, if we do this combination, it's going to give them problems. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, they made Dak Prescott and company un- uncomfortable all day long. You said it seemed like they knew where they wanted to go with the ball that, yes. many, many times. Many times, game. right? That's my, my little phrase. Like, when you drop back and all of a sudden they go, wait, they're trying to throw over here to the left – and the Cardinals have everybody dropped over there to the left. Like, they knew what was kind of coming or expected certain route combinations out of personnel sets or formations. And that's always a telltale sign to me that a D coordinator's got a really good feel for yeah. what the offense is trying to do from, you know, to them in certain formations. Well, you saw one pattern over and over again, the stick route from the tight end of the slot receiver, and well, you noted it in your notes. That's, that's, that's <laughs> what I mean. Like, you drew so, it out. So I, Five it, yards it, and out. It just drove, drove me crazy. It's just like, you know, I'm in the first half of the game there, and then, you know, that, that's how I could tell, like, oh, we don't know what they're doing, so let's just be even simpler, you know? And they do nothing there to help out. And then what's that lead to? A throwaway, a sack. And then we go, what's wrong with the Cowboy offense? And why isn't Dak looking sharp? And it's like, well, it's not really Dak. It's that bullshit-ass play they just ran on second down that now put them behind the chains or he got sacked because of it or whatever. And it's just like, you know, it's kindergarten stuff. That, mm-hmm. that's, that's what I say to that. And that's where I'd go like, yeah, I, I didn't see that. Like The Dolphins didn't run that play once. They, they don't run that play. They go, well, there's like 9 million other ways to be cool and like get people open rather than, hey, tight end, run a five-yard out in between these two guys and I'll jam it in there. Maybe we'll get four yards. Yeah. And if something bad happens, you'll get hit and fumble and the ball will pop in the air and it'll be a fumble or an interception or whatever. And, yes, that's where they, they leave you wanting more. So as we're calibrating the blame-o-meter, it seems like some blame goes on the, the offensive system for sure. Some blame does go on Dak, and I think we have the dots for – Kazir White, that interception in the in the end zone. If you yeah. want to speak on that play specifically, yeah, sure. so um, what did you see on on this one that basically sealed the deal? So they're trying to run a play where they clear it out basically, and then the safeties they're hoping the safeties kind of go wide and don't get involved in this middle throw here, right? But what really happens is it ends up being like a man defense with a guy, uh, 36, being free in the middle of the football field. And that's not the it, – it, it's they're playing man-free here. 
And what, what my point is here, this play is made for like quarters coverage, okay? And like think about it like this, like quarters coverage, and they'd want the safeties to go a little high and wide, right? And then basically Brandon Cooks runs that, that route off the middle linebacker. Now they did a good j- job kind of disguising what they were playing, and it, it fooled Dak. And I, I can understand how it did a little bit. You know, but at the point where he's kind of getting ready to throw, it's like, hey, whoa, you know, don't pull the trigger here because 36 is there, you know, seven, Kazir White did a good job, of course, down the middle. And then, hey, their rookie corner, 13, Clark, who you see covering Cooks, yeah. he's a damn good player. He's impressive. Uh, he, so he did a good job, too. And that he probably would have picked it if Kazir White didn't. But yeah, not the, that's a waste of a play. Or just a bad read by Dak Prescott. He needs to go somewhere else. And this kind of route combination that he's got here, you'd like to see him maybe not throw it to three and then come back to Ferguson over the middle, who's right along the goal line, 87 there. That would be what you would want him to adjust to. Or he throws it to CeeDee Lamb in the back corner of the end zone against man-to-man coverage and lets him go make a 50-50 ball. Dak did miss a few opportunities to hit C.D. Lamb for touchdown or big plays. Mm-hmm. He missed da- C.D. Lamb down the middle one time where I would say should have been a big play. There was a few passes in the game, long story short, that I would tell you Dak was, didn't let the, had good time and didn't let the plays develop down the field and took an underneath throw, and you go, ah, damn, just, just pat the ball one more time. You're going to get a 30-yard completion here. I thought he was a little rushed at times, and I think that was a little because they was out of sorts, nothing was working, and he was just going, okay, let me try to get some completions so we can get, get this offense going a little bit. Yeah, we'll see if the Patriots can do similar things to slow down the Cowboys. we got that game this week. The Cardinals are at the 49ers, another tough test for them. We'll see how they handle. It's like the difficulty level just keeps going up for the Cardinals on this season. All right, moving on now. Houston Texans yeah. defeated the Jacksonville Jaguars 37-17. to That ended up being a 20-point game. I Can forget that, that it was that right? big of a blowout. It's crazy. It seemed, like, it seemed like the Jaguars were always on the cusp of like, all right, now they're going to take over. Now it, they're well, going to take it, over. It was a little bit like the Cowboys game that way. Yeah. You know, every time you thought, oh, okay, they're here, this is going to be a game, and they're going to they're gonna slowly take this over, ja- I mean, Houston would make a play. Or, or – or you could say Jacksonville would screw something up. Yeah. It's one or the other. And I think, you know, a little bit more of, like, I don't want to take anything away from Houston. They are playing tough and physical and flying around. And the fucking quarterback is the real deal. Like, the real deal. Let's start there. Okay, fine. I think, that's, I think that's interesting. Yeah. Because your, your praise was effusive in your notes yeah. for what you saw. Not just with the Texans offense, but you thought they did some good things, but with the way that the rookie quarterback, C.J. Stroud, handled himself. That was, I think, the headline from your deeper look into this game. Yeah. What did you see from C.J.? He Well, one, I think the big thing is, you know, context clues, right, of just like the, the offense they're running shows you they have great trust in him. Like I would sit here and argue like, right, for a, like a basic thought, right, like to make a headline. Like they're doing more and trusting him more than the Bears trust Justin Fields, right, all right, who's in year three. 
And I'm not trying to say that to downplay Justin Fields. I'm just telling you, this kid's like NFL ready, can run an offense, knows how to play in the pocket. Like a guy that you've seen, like we go, this guy's, is this year three, year four? Like if you didn't know anything about C.J. Stroud and the way he goes through things and the way he feels pressure and his feel in the pocket to step in certain spots and then get the ball out of his hand quickly and all that, he's very mature that way. And that's what's really impressive about him more than anything. Have Let you, alone the throwing yes. is off the charts good as far as that department goes. Have you ever seen a rookie look like this? This is So I was thinking about this yesterday, right? I, I, you know, like this polished and in control of the offense and themselves, there's not one in recent history where I could sit here and say the rookie, a rookie looked like this. No. Like – I think Burrow could have looked like this if he didn't get hurt and they were a little bit better around him year one. But this is better than that. And this is, you know, Burrow, of course, didn't have as strong an arm then too because he was still trying to kind of fix his throwing mechanics mm-hmm. and all that. No, this, this would be up there with, with anybody. This would be up there, like, let's see, who's the last rookie quarterback where he went, man, they just, they've, I, I want to almost say it's Dak Prescott. Right where he kind of came in, ran the offense, did all the right things, made some plays here and there. And what I would tell you is that this exceeds that. Mm-hmm. I know that they went 14-2 and two that year or whatever with Dak Prescott that first year. But they, of course, had the best running game in football. They had Ezekiel Elliott, who was like the best running back in football by week four and all that. C.J. Stroud doesn't have any of that. And the location of the football He's even quickened his release to a different level. And his ability with like pinpoint accuracy on any type of throw, touch or throw the fireball in there, is really, really impressive. Like blown out of the blown out of the water type good stuff there uh, from CJ Stroud. Yeah, you like CJ Stroud. We mentioned that on Sunday night. I like Tank Dell too. And Tank Dell and CJ Stroud seem to have something going here. Definitely. I mean they um, Dell's a speedster. They're taking some shots. You know, they do a good job of play-action pass and, and trusting that Stroud will do the right thing there. Um, Dell's a speedster. They hit a post route early in the game where Jacksonville was too worried about stopping the run. They definitely fell into, we're going to just crush the run because we think that's a rookie quarterback and that's what they're going to rely on. And they played a few coverages where you're just like, that, that's a little too aggressive. Like, you know, that's insane. Like on that, that first post route by Dell, yeah. they have the safety, Rayshon Jenkins, who's really the middle third guy. They have him down there in the box to kind of be a presence in the run. And then at set hut, they're like, can you get back to the middle now? And that was just too much to ask, especially yeah. with the speedster and Stroud saw it and threw the bomb. Yeah. And then on the second long touchdown to Dell, that one got him to the one or two. The other one, it was a little bunch set, and they messed up how they were supposed to pass it off. Uh, and I think it was Darius Williams who messed it up, 31, if yep. you made me guess there. Yep. Um, but either way, it stressed their rules, and they weren't sure what who to take, and good job by Stroud and recognizing it and putting the ball on the money and, and uh, making a big play there. Yeah, they ended up both guarding Robert Woods. Exactly right, right. Robert Woods kind of ran an a out route, right? Uh, so, yeah, it was um, – it, it's definitely definitely found a flaw in the Jag system there. So, troubles for Jacksonville on defense in this game, although we think that Houston might give some teams trouble. The, some of the things they do 
were difficult. It's not just blame game on the de- no. Jaguars defense. No, here. they run a. They have a. W- w- here, here's like, and this is like something that I I probably should have said about the Cowboys too. This is be some of the theme of today here, like the Cardinals, the ja- uh, the Texans. They tie plays together. There's. You know, just like the Dolphins do and the 49ers do. There's, that, that's what it was apparent to me watching film the last two days is those, these teams that we're talking about successful on the offensive side of the ball, it's, it's, it's so many plays that start out looking the same that are different where you're going, oh, I just saw that play. Oh, oh, oh it's not that play. It's a curveball here. And, and that's what a good offense does. And having that feel of when to call the curveball and how to tie it all together, and that's where I've been, been very impressed with, uh, you know, who's that? Bobby Slovic down there yeah. with the, the Texans. Slo- yes. Yeah. Slovic. 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 I'm not sure exactly how you say that one. He's one of the coaches over the years that I never really met off of Shanahan's staff. I never really met him. Oh, he him was on Shanahan's staff. He was there, oh, of course, because yeah. it's D'Amico Ryan's exactly going over right. there. Right. Um, yeah, we got to we got to get a so picture. So they got some good things going there. We got to get you face to face with him. All right, so you know, last year it was the Jaguars offense that you're like, "Wow, they finally figured it out. Trevor Lawrence has figured it out." We were panicking about him, and then we're like, "Oh, no reason to panic. He is a true number 1 overall type talent." Yeah. And now Pete notes in a rundown here, "Is it time to re-panic on Trevor Lawrence?" So should we now we panicked before? Yeah. And we got over it, right. but now is it time to re-panic? <laughs> Start the re-panic. No, it's Hit not. Hit the re-panic button. I wouldn't panic on Jacksonville at all yet okay here would be my just overall assessment of Jacksonville and some of the problems one I'm not like oh no they're one and two this is this is big trouble right yeah it stinks they're one and two but there's a difference in ones and two like a one and two and how they stack up one I'm not going man they're being physically dominant and just getting their ass whooped and this is I don't like the way they look it's not at all I mean they were toe-to-toe with the Chiefs all right you know they they certainly weren't like out physical they're outplayed by the Texans what the one thing we're seeing the Texans a little I mean the Jags just like the just like maybe Minnesota and the NFC, they got the disease right now. We fuck something up every now and then, right? Whether it was drop touchdown pass, right, by Calvin Ridley. It's the, oh, okay, hey, we're about to get going here. Oh, Jamal Agnew fumbles, catching a ball over the middle, right? Oh, hey, we're about to come back, and they – return a kick return for a touchdown. Yeah. It was just it's it's kind of a little bit of of that right now. It's a lot of self-inflicting stuff and I'm not panicked about, you know, their offense or anything there. To me it's just they they got to fix some of these issues and take take care of the ball and just be a little bit more polished there. And then yeah, they could be another team that I I sometimes wish they would tie things together a little bit too. It seems it feels like they just call plays at times. But you think they're close. You noted that multiple times. They're I, close. They're they just missing close. some plays here. Uh, Trevor Lawrence had some good throws and some good des- good decisions out there. Um, yeah, I mean, he had a field goal. They missed a field goal. They had a field goal blocked. Dropped a pass early. They dropped a pass for a touchdown. They fumble. They fumble. You know, on a and an in cut by Agnew, like I was talking about. And you're going here. They go. They're, they, you know, they they, um, you know. 
drops penalty on a fourth and one completion, right? So they get a fourth and one, they complete it, boom, oh no, there's a penalty. Then they got to kick the field goal, the field goal gets blocked. Yep. It's, it's just stuff like that right now where it's just not totally buttoned up. That's yep. what I would say. But it's not that I look at it and go, ooh, they're not the same team or ooh, they're being physically outplayed. It's a little bit more of like, no, it's showing, their youngness is showing still right now. Sure. And they got to button up. And maybe part of the reason is that, you know, and maybe where you can find a, a lacking in their, their offensive plan here is that they do have a lot of quick stuff, and you noted that, right? You, you would, they do need to be perfect, right? Because it's a lot of plays, quick, boom, long, sustaining drives down the field. They don't necessarily have that one huge play. they got to get that going in their offense a little bit. And one, I'd like to see them dial it up for Trevor Lawrence a little too. And a little like we talked with Dak Prescott too, there was probably about – Two or three times, I think you saw in my notes where I wrote, Trevor's just got to let it develop a little bit more. Like, you're going to have the 20-yard out route. Don't be so quick to throw it underneath. It's there. It's the look. It's all of it. Have a feel for the play. Sit on it just a half a second more, and you're going to hit a big gain here and change field position, right? And, and I think there was some of that, too. Um, you know, of course, he made the mistake of the interception over the middle. That was probably his worst play of the game there, trying to force in that, that in cut in that moment there. Um, but, but again, he looks phenomenal. ATN looks really good, right? It's, it's just kind of like we're talking about, just taking advantage of all that's there to be had and then yeah. not making mistakes. It's been mistakes every week so far. You know, it's been the Colts game. They ended up winning. But if you remember they, the week one, they made a bunch of mistakes in that. And that was a close football game because of that. You know, week two, the Chiefs game, same thing. It was turnovers. It was not being able to score touchdowns down in the red zone. It was all that type of stuff there. And then, of course, last week, it, it all fell, you know, to really all three phases of their football game or tip, their football team. Tip of the cap, though, still to the Houston Texans defense and a couple of guys that you were a little lower on in the draft that yeah. stood out to you in this one were Henry To'o To'o, the linebacker. Flying around the field. Like, impressive. They're two linebackers. Him and the other kid from, uh, who's from Alabama, too, number 48. Um, Harris, yeah, excuse me. He, you know, of course, team defensive speed is predicated on linebackers usually more mm-hmm. times than not, and they fly around. And then those two guys on the edge that we talk about, we've talked about them a few times. Will Anderson, hey, I'm not sitting here ready to say he's going to be the greatest sack artist in football, but he's a damn good football player. That, that I do know. He is hustle, physical, gets off blocks. Even if he's not getting after the quarterback, his presence is known in the run game and just the way he runs around the football field. And that other pass rusher, Greenard, is the same way. You add them with then Sheldon Rankins and Malik Collins in the middle there a little bit, you know, they can be disruptive and fast and quick and shoot some gaps and create some chaos. And uh, that, that's pretty, pretty impressive on that side. D'Amico Ryan's got him flying around. So Texans will play the Steelers coming up. A couple bruising teams going head-to-head, and then the Jaguars go out to London to take on the Falcons later on this week. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat. Protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines.
I won't let my moderate to severe plaque psoriasis symptoms define me. Emerge as you. In two clinical studies, Trimphia guselkumab, taken by injection, provided 90% clear skin at 16 weeks in 7 out of 10 adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. In a study, nearly 7 out of 10 patients with 90% clear skin at 16 weeks were still clearer at 5 years. At 1 year and thereafter, patients and healthcare providers knew that Trimphia was being used. This may have increased results. Results may vary. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Trimphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of infection, including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information at Tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Colts beat the Ravens. That one went to overtime on uh, 22-19 if you forgot the final score. Um, the Ravens' offense was a little, was a little sluggish, and we, we thought this Todd Munkin would come in here, change everything, more of a passing offense, get away from the Greg Romans running style. It would just open up a whole new you know, dimension to the Lamar Jackson in right. that offense. Uh, we haven't quite seen that yet. No. What's going on with it? Well, I, I, again, I think they're still in their early phase of figuring out how they want to play, digesting the offense, all of that, right? You know, I think them a little bit like where I go, I don't necessarily dislike the look on the football field. It's just, you know, again, I would, I would go back to sloppy play with them. Sloppy play and a little bit of like, Again, I'm not sure Munkin has a feel for how to tie plays together in the NFL that way yet either. Uh, the, I always am looking at them going, I, why are they don't have a more expanded play-action pass game with as well as they run the ball and do something there? Right? I just never understand that. And then I think the drop-back passing game, yeah, it's good right now, but hey, they're beat up on the offensive line a little bit. They're not protecting their best. And... Yeah, I think they got some young guys getting used to a system there and a quarterback getting used to a system there. But, like, they had opportunities early in this football game and what you want to do in a situation where you're playing a team like the Colts and Gardner Minshew to, to really put them behind the eight ball. I mean, it's, it's 7 nothing. They look great on the first drive. They go right down the field. The second drive, they're going, here we go again. They're going down the field. He throws a little ball to Kenyon Drake, and yeah, it, was a, it was a short pass, and he's running, and he's going to be down by the 20-yard line, and he gets stripped. And it kind of changed the flow of the game and their ability to maybe put Baltimore in a really tough spot and make them have to throw the ball more than they want to. And, you know, that was, that was the big thing. And then yeah. that was followed up by a few fumbles, whether it was a bad snap, Lamar getting strip sacked twice, one of which they didn't recover, and the Colts got the short field on. And then you go in a game like this and go, hey, wait, we're supposed to be better than them. Well, yeah, I just named three mistakes. I don't care who you are. You're going to be in a dogfight after you do that type of stuff. So it's an offense that is not 
hitting on all cylinders quite yet. It's no. not what it will be. No. But I, I'm curious what you think of of how they're attacking the running game. Yeah. Because you look at the the running backs have combined for almost 250 yards so far. They're averaging about three and a half yards per carry. Lamar Jackson almost 200 yards. He's at six it's too yards, much yards per carry. It's, That's too much for it's you. It's too much. That, that to me is where it's just like. They, they, and again, I'm, I'm going to say it's the offensive line injuries. Their bottom line is their offense has to be better than what it is. And yes, they can't go, oh no, we can't do anything. So now our default mechanism is always like, we'll run Lamar, right? I, hey, I'm all for running Lamar too. But that's not going to be sustainable to go where they want to go when it's all said and done. But the bottom line with Baltimore is they have a first-round center, a first-round left tackle, a guard in Zeitler who they traded for to get in him. They got a first-round first receiver in Rashad Bateman, a first-round receiver in Zay Flowers. They have Mark Andrews, and then, of course, they have L- Lamar Jackson. That offense needs to be better than what it is. That is a lot of assets. And, and then, of course, OBJ, who didn't play last week, but when he's there. That offense has way too many assets for us to be going – Man, it's offense is hard for them. It's just nothing's easy for them right now. And I think that's that's a little bit what's the the frustrating thing about them and and what they got going there. But yeah, their offense is not functioning at a high level right now. And you know, I still think they look like a team that didn't play in the preseason, figuring out a new system behind Todd Munkin, and then has some injuries to go along with it. And that allows them to look underwhelming yeah. in a game against the Colts, who have a good defense, better than people realize, and they don't let up big plays. That's the thing about the Colts. That's C- it's the Seattle scheme. Yeah. They keep everything in front of you. And you see, like, sometimes when Baltimore doesn't have big plays, they can't consistently just execute and go on drive after right. drive after drive after drive. And Ravens fans would say that they also, do the Colts, get the benefit of not getting pass interference calls on them in overtime. Yeah, that was a bullshit call. So we have a photo of right. that, I think. And you looked at it on film again. This was right. EJ Speed defending Zay Flowers on a fourth and three. This is a still photo. Looks good to me. <laughs> Looks good it's to you. Hard, hard to tell. It's hard to there. Well, it's, you can't really. They never really did have an angle that showed it from behind. No, they did not. It, it was hard. Now, the the thing that it looked like to me was that, and EJ Speed's a good little. He's a good player at, at linebacker for the Colts. But it looked like he had him hooked with the right arm. Yeah, I think and so. that that's why you see Zay Flowers' arms out right there because he's going. He's trying to pull away and get some balance because he's being turned like this by EJ Speed. So when yeah. you see it on film and the film angle really shows it the best cuz you get to see the end zone cut and you could see that he's got him hooked and he can't run away from him let alone he's got a ball coming to his left and he's being turned to the right yeah. and he's trying to keep his balance and everything there and his body control and of course that didn't happen. Yeah, uh that would have changed the the complexion of the game for sure cuz uh, it was only a field goal that determined this one. Uh, real quick on the offensive side of the ball for the yeah. Colts. Yeah. Um, what do you think of Shane Steichen and what he's doing over there? Well, th- that's where you know you talk about the Eagles and why they don't look as sharp on the offense. Shane Steichen's special. Like he won movement, formation usage, and he's a king of checks and balances. Is what I like to say. Where you overplay one aspect, he has two things off of that to go, if you overplay that, I'm going to screw you over here with something else. And that's where they're really good. Uh, they're tough. They stay consistent with the run. And 
you know, he knows how to kind of manage the Gardner Minshew quarterback situation where he's a really good quarterback. He's not going to wow you with deep throws down the field and lasers and all of that, but play a clean football game and they play good defense, and then they're efficient on the offensive side of the ball, and you get a game that's littered with mistakes by the Ravens, yeah, there they are. I don't think they're as good as the Ravens when all said and done, but you know that's why the NFL is awesome. On a given Sunday, you mess up a little bit, and another team's got a good game plan, you're going to lose. Which seems to definitely happen early on in the season, definitely. too, where exactly teams are still right. trying to figure it exactly out right. offensively for the Ravens there. They lose. Uh, maybe they learned a whole lot from that overtime loss to the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, you know, likely drops the pass the play before the no pass interference call yep. right there's just so many moments of the game right you know it's it, you know, Lamar taking a bad sack at the end of the football game when they were kind of getting a chance to maybe kick a field goal it just was things like that you know it, it, the center can't roll the ball back on a snap Lamar can't get strip sacked and give the Colts who you know wait are offensively challenged to give them the ball at what they do they give them the ball at the the seven yard line one time or somewhere around there and to give them some points and then of course the field goal kicking by um, the Indianapolis Colts was was very impressive as well. All right, so uh, you want to do the seventy burger right now? The yeah, Dolphins might as well. Offense, Let's do uh, it. Or I guess maybe more specifically the Broncos defense and what what went wrong. So Sean Payton said on Monday, quote. It's a tough film to watch. We'd be remiss if we didn't, though. As unpleasant as it's going to be, we've got to get these things cleaned up. So, that, a lot of—I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people around football that would say you don't even watch that film. You don't—you don't even look at it. It's just like it's—it's it's so bad that what are you going to even learn? But they—they they watched it. Yeah, I and, give them credit there. And you, you know, watched it. Yeah, I, I did. It's you know how uncomfortable was that room watching that film? Oh my god! I, I mean, everybody like. Players, coaches, there's nothing positive to look at at all. There's, they were totally dominated in every aspect. And I'll, I'll even say it, it actually was even worse than I thought Oof. because I'll tell you this is where it was worse. On Sunday, it just seemed like it was like, whoa, big play, big play, big play. When you watch back the film, you're just like, no, it's just literally like 8 yards, 10 yards, 15 yards. And I know we had a few big touchdowns, don't get me wrong. But the rest of the plays are all like, this is just a slow and steady ass whooping of like 8 and 9 yards per play. 10 yards per play in the NFL? Like, that's insane. And the quarterback threw for 309. It wasn't like it was like 550 or something like that, right? right. So that's where it's, it's unbelievable. It was a total exposure of, like, lack of schematical answers versus their offense, or, or, or the Broncos' defense versus that Dolphins' offense. And it was in, in, both fa- in both ways, run game and pass game. There's so much here, I don't even know where to start, and you're going to have to help lead me here a little bit because uh, it's insanity in the membrane. Well, that's the crazy thing because we think that that Dolphins' defense has talent, yep. right? A couple injuries, I Broncos guess. Broncos' defense, you mean? Yeah. Uh, what did I say? Yeah, Dolphins' defense. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Broncos' defense. Right. Uh, Justin Simmons, I, I, was he hurt? Frank Clark? I mean, I, there's a couple of guys who are hurt, maybe hurt in the game or Right. Play. Yep, they didn't. Um, Frank Clark didn't play. Simmons didn't play. But still, it's like Vance Joseph, a good defensive coordinator. Was it? Was it? You said schematical problems. Was it lack of effort at all? Well, it became team? that a little bit at the end of the game. It did. It did, definitely did. You know, when it when it started to get out of hand and it got to like forty two, it was like every play you saw this from the Broncos. You know, the old like head back. 
shoulders like slumped over like, oh, oh my God, we got gashed another play. Oh, we got gashed another play, right? You know, and then let alone, they never got to play from a position of aggressiveness the whole game. It was like they were on their heels just taking body blows and haymakers constantly. You know, they play too deep coverage and they ran the ball on them at will. I mean, at will. And, of course, found all these ways to attack leverage once again. Attack and I can't tell you how many times the guy, the end guy in the line of scrimmage for the, for the Broncos got blocked inside by a receiver or a tight end who had a little bit of an extended split, right? That was like close to the line of scrimmage, but, you know, like split at a receiver. Does that make sense to you? Yep. How many times that guy came down and then blocked the guy on the edge of the line of scrimmage and then they pulled a guy or somebody else led the running back out and there they are going, wait, it's, it's the running back one-on-one with the corner and we have a lead blocker on them. Like, it's not just like, oh, we, we made their worst tackler have to tackle our running back. It's like, you're making their worst tackler not only have to tackle, but take on a block and get off the block. And there was no answers at all for, for Denver to stop that or slow that down. I mean, the running backs were getting to the third level untouched, carry after carry after carry. The Broncos linebackers were non-existent in the game. Non-existent. I don't know what they were doing, right? Some of the formations, as I would tell you, with the shifts and the adjustments and all that, I'd go, they, you can't stop this play with how you're lined up. Like, the way they're going to – where they're running this, and now they've blocked down and somebody pulling and somebody else, you know, leading for the tailback. Like, you don't have enough people over there with how you lined up. There's no way you could stop this. You're, you're just hoping somebody makes a miraculous play. And that would be, you know, issue number one the attacking of leverage, and then what they tried to do. They tried to widen out their fronts a little bit, and then McDaniel was like, well, we're just running up the middle then. And now, we'll, like we talked about with the Cardinals and the Cowboys, we'll double-team a tackle, and they're so spread out, and the linebackers now are so worried about the outside run that we'll double-team a guy, and one guy will get up on top to the next linebacker, and we'll run it up the middle for 15 yards. I mean, it was the damnedest thing you ever saw, let alone it was like 7-on-7 seven seven in the pass game. I mean... Like, we're never going to disrupt the receiver ever. We're just going to let Tyree Kill fly up the field on the safety in five steps every play. You said they're way too deep, the secondary for the Broncos. Too much space to operate. Way too much space. I don't mind if the safeties are deep, but there's got to be something the receivers have to work through underneath. It can't just be, woo, I'm running free. Woo, I'm open. Like, it's just, it was like, it was like, a, it was like watching my son play seventh grade football. I mean, it really was. It was. It's crazy. Just huge, gaping holes in the zone, and nothing done about it to disrupt the timing or the rhythm or anything. And then on top of that, just kind of sitting back and continuing to do it, never going. You know, we should just change, and maybe we need to start blitzing and force the issue a little bit. I mean, why that's crazy is that's like a bend but don't break defense that just gave up seventy points. Is yes. what you described right there. Pretty much, <laughs> it, it, it really was. Yeah. And then, like, let's just I not think, give up the big play. And exactly. And then you add on top of you know, not give up the big play, but you got to like disguise and make them think a little bit to what they're going to do. But, you know, it, it, and then, of course, it's mistakes on top of that. Like, hey, the first touchdown, you saw that Tyree kill 54-yard touchdown, right? Yeah. They're playing a combination zone coverage. It's, it's, again, it's the Chargers defense from last year. 
Like, hey, this just in. McDaniel studied that game plan last year, guys. He's got answers for it. Stop. You're going to have to have something else. But they're playing cover two to the left and cover four to the right, okay? So the backside guy to the right runs a little, like, slant post, okay? And then Tyree Kill's kind of running a deeper post over the top of it, all right? Patrick Sertain... Once your slant goes inside, you have to get off it and let the safety take it and get back into your quarter. And here it is. This is great job by Pete. Oh, so start dots. it over if you can, Pete. The dots, yep, this will be good. So, And he might ask you to pause it if you can here. Just pause it right here, okay? Just pause it right there. Yeah, this is great. So 27 and 22 on your left, Ahmed, are playing cover two. The two guys on the right, 32 and two, are playing quarters. All right. So now let it roll and watch three go over the middle. At some point, two has to let Robbie Chosen go and let 32 cover him. And he needs to be back where Tyree Kill catches the ball. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, it, you know, bad game planning. They messed up some things. They tackled horrible and didn't play with aggressiveness and anything like that. And the Miami Dolphins are not only extremely well coached and extremely talented, they now have an ass-kicking run game. Like, they, they, oh they, gosh, they yes. bring it in the run game. Like, it's not like, oh, everybody's so scared of the pass and it's just the, mo- the greatest looks ever. It's, there's plenty of plays in this game where I'd go, Denver's playing run, Miami says we're going to run it, and they blow you off the ball and still get 10 yards. And there's something to be said about that. Mostert is fast. A-chan is fast. By yeah. the way, did you see that today? A-chan? That's what he said. He wants it to be known now that it's not A-chain, it's A-chan. Which is what I feel Yvonne like I saw A-chan. all through college. And then in their media guide it said A-chain. Okay. So everyone was like, oh, we were wrong in college. So now we'll fix ourselves. And I know. I came Dolphins, in Mon- Sunday and everyone PR was like, bad. A-chain, A-chain. And I was like, damn. I mean, through the the draft and watching college football at Texas A&M, I, I never A-chan. heard anybody call him that. So you never know. But so okay, so good. We got that. I won't let my moderate to severe plaque psoriasis symptoms define me. Emerge as you. In two clinical studies, Trimphia guselcumab taken by injection provided 90% clear skin at 16 weeks in 7 out of 10 adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. In a study, nearly 7 out of 10 patients with 90% clear skin at 16 weeks were still clearer at five years. At one year and thereafter, patients and healthcare providers knew that Tremphia was being used. This may have increased results. Results may vary. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Tremphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of infection, including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information at Tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal 
and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, so I feel like this is a uh, this is a theme of this podcast here today, and Finn Sports sums it up again. We know the NFL is a copycat league with how creative and successful Kyle Shanahan has been and now Mike McDaniel. Why haven't more NFL teams and coaches been able to effectively duplicate it? Personnel, knowledge of what they're actually doing, both. And so we have the chart that you mentioned before yeah. of teams that use motion on pass plays and run plays. Where did this come from, Pete? Where did we get this? I feel like this was a ESPN, Seth Walder thing, yeah, uh, up there in the corner on X. You can go get it on X right now. So all the teams in the upper right are teams that use a lot of motion on run and pass plays. Right. And I feel like those are all the coaches that are the most creative coaches also in the NFL, including my Detroit Lions and Ben Johnson. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of Shanahan there, right? Dolphins are way to the extreme, Dolphins. 70% of the time on running plays and 50% of the time on pass plays. Right. But you got the Rams over there, you got the Lions, you got the Chargers, you got the 49ers, yep. Packers, and you got the Falcons. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, and, you know, you got the Giants right on the line. You see the Texans right on the line, right? A yeah. Shanahan guy. Brian Dayball, of course, of course coming from you know, New England knows some of the value of that as well. Shane Steichen's right there on the line, right? Chiefs. The Chiefs are on the line. You know, there's there's definitely something to it there. And then you look at a lot of the crappy offenses, you go, well, yeah, look, a lot of them are down there. You know, no, I know that's not foolproof there. Like the Eagles are, are below the line, and they're they're damn good on yeah, that side of the ball. Yeah, that's interesting. They use very little motion in the run game. Well, what what do they got to use it for? <laughs> I mean, as I said yesterday after on on Tuesday morning, they're the most physically imposing team on offensive defensive line that I can ever remember. I mean, they're they're up there with the Cowboys of the '90s. I mean, I've never seen a team. In my life, like the Eagles, where they go, we're going to run the same run play eight yard, eight times in a row, and you can't stop it. it, it it's unbelievable. Let alone their D-line does the same version of that on the other side of the ball. right? They're the only team in football that can do that. They're the only team I can remember in football in the last 20 years that's capable of doing what they're sure. doing. The 49ers D-line is, is like that. Their O-line is not like that. They have to use some, you know, some tricks a little bit and schematics there, and that's where the Eagles are really, really damn special. I have a feeling we're going to be able to talk about this Dolphins offense for many, many podcasts this year. Now, Mike McDaniel is getting love. Of course he is for Coach of the Year. Now, it's early. It's very early, but DraftKings still has the early Coach of the Year odds, and maybe no surprise to anyone, Mike McDaniel is currently the favorite at plus 400. Dan Campbell, my guy, second choice at 750. Arthur Smith for the Falcons, third choice at plus 1,000. And Matt LaFleur at plus 1,400. I think that's a pretty good I think it's a pretty good top four right now. I Shane would, Steichen there at five. I would agree. You know, why is Shanahan always low? That's a, you know, Because it's I expectations just, versus results. If, I guess if, so. If you're supposed to be good, yeah. you're not going to win Coach of the Year. I, I guess so. Now, Mike McDaniel, clearly, right now, with what they're doing on the offensive side of the ball, that that's special. I, all, I got no problem with anybody on this list right here. This is a pretty damn good list. So I, would, I would agree that these are the, the guys right now. Um, but... 
Yeah, you know, I just, I, you know, I, I don't understand why Shanahan sometimes doesn't get put up a little higher. Like, d- we didn't think Mike McDaniel and them were going to do this either. Like, we didn't yeah. think this was going to look like this. I mean, I didn't think 750 yards, but yeah. I feel like Shanahan gets slighted of that stuff sometimes. Well, we were both thinking Shanahan last year because what he did with a... I, I get it. Third string quarterback. Right, exactly. Oh. Yeah, all right, so we'll see. That was but, his yeah. chance. Last year was his chance. It's over now. It's over. Uh, Expectations are too high. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL, and new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets instantly, Chris. Download the app and use promo code UNBUTTONED when you sign up. <laughs> <laughs> DraftKings Sportsbook, <laughs> the crown is yours. Damn. Uh, I thought yeah. you were still going to go there. You kind of ended in a... Well, I did. I ended up in a weird thing because I thought I was going to be saying this next line, but then I said, a- uh, I saw AF, and yeah. that stands for Amish Parade. Work- we're still working out the kinks here. Maybe next time, as Pete knows, we'll read that last line together. We need more together. practice time. Training need- camp's too short. There's too many rules. <laughs> we didn't do this in the preseason at all. And right. look at us right now. Regular right. season, we're screwing it up. That's a, that's a uh, it, problem. It's crazy, though. Last thing on that Dolphins thing, yep. just like, I mean, I, you know, I think you saw in my notes, the Broncos D-line, I, don't saw, I never saw anybody make a play. You know, guys at the second level, the linebackers, never a play. You know, the tackling was horrible. The coaching and the adjustments was horrible. I mean, they, they never had a chance. They really didn't. And, and that's, that's what it's just they got to be disappointed, the Broncos. And now they got the Bears, and they got to stop that juggernaut at offense. Man, that's just what the doctor ordered for Sean Payton and company over there. All right, let's go to this right now. We'll go one more game real quick. Bills all over the Commanders, 37-3. to And let's do Inside the Numbers, powered by AWS, because we can look at what the Bills did defensively, and they created a whole lot of pressures. Uh, Bills pressures leaders. you got Ed Oliver that is their uh, number one right now, Shaq Lawson, A.J. Epinesa, though, Leonard Floyd is in the mix, Greg Rousseau. So they got a lot of guys contributing pressures right now to the quarterback. Uh, this was all week three at the Commanders. Man, that is crazy. I don't know if I've seen that many pressures from one team and that many different guys, uh, but that offensive line did not slow down the Bills much. No, that, that, that is the concern. You know, They tried to, of course, improve their offensive line in the offseason, and I do think it's a little bit better. I mean, I do think you know we saw them run the ball a little bit in the first two weeks and all that, but man, I mean, the Bills' D-line, after that horrible week one performance, this dominance two weeks in a row. I mean, really, in in all phases. And, you know, one, Josh Allen was phenomenal in this football game. I mean, he was phenomenal. He made some plays where you're just like, that's insane right there. But, yeah, the defense was the star of the show. The fact of being in Howell's face, the turnovers, the fourth – the fourth down stops inside the red zone, you know, they were, they were really, really impressive. And they're playing fast. They're going to be an interesting matchup for this Dolphins offense because McDermott is one of our Kings originals of they get a lot of people dropping where you're trying to throw the ball. They're usually phenomenal at playing zone coverages and passing people off and doing that. And that's where it's going to be interesting. I'm going to be interested to see. And if their front four can play like the way it's playing, of course, now you have the flexibility with the other seven guys to pass things off and be creative. And McDermott and this defensive staff thinks outside the box there more than, than most defensive staffs. Yeah. And I would think they're going to have something that's at least going to slow down this Dolphins attack to a degree. Uh, and, but, but a lot of that will be predicated on that front four and, and how much they can hold down the fort and like not hope, hopefully you don't have to 
like we always say, put too many assets into stopping the run game, you know, or too many guys having to blitz to get to Tua. Mm-hmm. And they are another team that has had the good feel of forcing the issue like we talk about. Some of these offenses are too good. You can't just go, oh, we're going to have a guy in this gap and a guy in this gap and we'll have a guy in this coverage and a guy. It's like, no, they're going to get in some crazy formation where you're not going to be right sometimes. So every now and then you got to do something where you just go, we're going to blitz here. And if they call this play, we're fucked, right? But what we think we can, like, through our studies and this formation and their play call tendencies, we can maybe blitz here and get away with it and get them in a negative situation, right? Yeah. And that's what I, I think I'm very excited to see from the Bills, uh, the Bills defense and what they can do. Yeah. They pressured Sam Howell on 69% of his dropbacks, the second highest pressure rate in a game in the next-gen stats era. So that's that was historic. What that we saw in this that game. was that was historic. And back to I can't remember who asked us on Sunday night, right? But Terrell Bernard, remember yes. he was saying the damn okay one of our all homies. Over the place, yeah. He was all over the place. Like I'm, I, I didn't get to do that justice on Sunday night. But hey, him and Matt Milano in the middle again. Linebackers dictate the speed of your defense. They make that defense seem a lot faster with them in the middle of the field. But yeah. You know, and then Sam Howell, he, he's he's been living dangerously the whole year. It finally, the football gods finally had the karma there, and it came back to him. You know, bad interception. Uh, who was the first one to? I want to say Tredavious White. That wasn't good. Of course, trying to throw the ball over AJ Epinesa when he's five feet in front of you. Mm-hmm. You know, there was just some mistakes there, and him holding the ball too long. Uh, where, yeah, he's just got to get better in that department so he doesn't put them in so many tough situations. That was Inside the Numbers, powered by AWS. Anything else on that one? Is you know, that good? I mean, Allen just, I think it's two weeks in a row, like he had one dicey decision in this one where you go, hey, don't do that. Like, come on, that's Josh Allen week one. But I, we didn't get to talk last week because I was sick, yeah. you know. How dare you? I know. So he was extremely patient and smart. This game was like old Josh Allen a little. The perfect blend of Mm. patient, I'll take what you'd give me, and then having the right feel of aggressive but not reckless, right, like we talk about. And he was so good at dancing that fine line for so long until about halfway through last year. And it swayed on Reckless a little bit, and it looks like he's correcting himself. And, of course, he's going to have to play phenomenal this week for them to beat yeah. the Dolphins. So that week one for him, that actually might be a really good thing, right? It, it was all like a slap in the face. If right. last, the end of last year wasn't, right. the beginning of this year was for him. All right, we got one more thing to do. You one ready? more thing to do? One more thing, yeah. and that is the Big Butt oh, Awards for yeah. week three. Yeah. It is we that time. Like big butts and we cannot lie. The big butt of the week. Oh. Time to give some love to these Woo. big guys. Some it, touches. It's a couple sacks, horse fumble. <laughs> He's a butting superstar. <laughs> give it to him, Ahmed. One butt cheat. And this is why you're the big butt expert of the world right now. Woo. We'll start with the defensive tackles. And Jalen Carter was awesome again. I gave him the big butt of the week. Week one, he was he was great again. Didn't yeah. play a whole lot of snaps, but was very dominant in the ones he did. Javon right. Hargrave was good, Christian Barmore, but none of them won. Big butt of the week that goes to Mario Edwards Jr. 
from the Seattle Seahawks. Led all defensive tackles with nine pressures, according to PFF. Six hurries. That tied with Christian Barmore for the most this week. And so he was was all over the field, like pushing. Like some of those pressures were him just like pushing the linemen into the quarterback. Bull rush people. Just push them right in the face of Andy Dahl. Which is the the worst kind of pressure you can have as a quarterback because you can't see, you can't step into the throw, anything like that. I did not realize he had that kind of week up there. Right, I haven't watched that That's game. That's why we back have yet. this award. I know. Well, good job by you scouting out all the butts and getting <laughs> that straight. So he won there, and the edge big butt of the week goes to Miles Garrett. He was amazing. Oh my gosh! Let all edge with three and a half sacks, second in pressures with nine, and he just played thirty six snaps. They didn't need him to play a whole lot more than that. That was domination, total ass whooping on that side of the ball. And Miles Garrett, I mean, yeah. That like we said, that Browns D is real. Mm-hmm. They got a lot of good players. Where it's like you double him, you're somebody else is going to get home too. They they got you know they got it going right now, and he would definitely be him. Michael Parsons, I don't know. I'm probably missing somebody else. Uh, what Nick Bosa? Yeah, yeah, not even Nick Bosa. I feel like those two just have stood out as far oh. as the best defensive players in football over the first three weeks. Trey Hendr- Hendrickson was pretty good. Yeah, on Monday he was. Night. He, he was extremely good. Ten pressures, I think. Holy crap! Did he have that? many in that game seven hurries yeah. holy he crap just was just, yeah I well that rams o-line is not good as we've yeah. talked about and a lot's on matthew stafford to get the ball out of his hands so, Kristen, well done you made the uh the graphic here with miles garrett Way and mario edwards Jr. with a miles garrett and yeah look at the look at the rear for miles garrett there good job Kristen. It's, it's it's an impressive rear it's more of an impressive <laughs> hamstring underneath yeah, it i right? mean look at that oh, hamstring you're right it's like popping out wider than his butt is he I would mean, say that's a bad angle of his rear maybe yeah, but you're right, right. it's a great if, angle for the hamstring yeah great handle handle from the the hamstring <laughs> and and yeah if, if you saw him in person he's he's got a you know unbelievable backside <laughs> and muscle he's got he's one of the most physically impressive people you see in football yes i mean the, he, it's so well put together and yeah that didn't do justice to his butt you could probably put a glass of water on top of that and walk <laughs> away for a little bit we did it well done chris <laughs> thank you Ahmed. thank you everybody out there uh be good you know where to find us thursday i got the pft pm chris sims unbuttoned joint pick collaboration with florio tune in check that out sunday night football football night in america you know you'll see uh, see me there sunday night Ahmed. Good luck with all your college football this Thank weekend. You, Iowa. Hold it down in Iowa. Des Moines, Iowa. Yeah. The is that where they are? Iowa City. Iowa City? Yeah, okay, yeah. Iowa. That's right. They're outside of yeah, Des Moines. They're in Iowa City. Cedar Rapids. All right, have fun. Bring those pants. They like yellow. I, there. I thought I should do that. You should do that. You I definitely should. In one week. Please keep sending in questions. You know where to find us. Be good out there. Be safe. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the Sunday games. Enjoy the Thursday night game. That should be pretty good. The Lions and the Packers. Here we go. I'll be rooting for the Packers just so you know because of some guy next to me all right everybody be good peace out clap it up it up i won't let my moderate to severe plaque psoriasis symptoms define me emerge as you in two clinical studies trimphia guselcumab taken by injection provided 90 percent clear skin at 16 weeks in seven out of 10 adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis in a study nearly seven out of 10 patients with 90 percent clear skin at 16 weeks were still clear at five years at one year and thereafter patients and healthcare providers knew that trimphia was being used this may have increased results results may vary Serious allergic reactions may occur. Trimphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. 
before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of infection, including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information at Tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 